0: Welcome to What's Eric Eating, CultureMap's bi-weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor, Eric Sandler. On today's show, we'll talk about the news of the week and the restaurant of the week with my co-host. She is the owner of Avondale Food and Wine. Mary Clarkson, welcome back to the show. How are you?
1: Hi, Eric. I am happy to be here today. I can't wait to get started.
0: Thanks for doing this. Let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one, Big news, Street to Kitchen, the James Beard award-winning East End Thai restaurant, announced that it is planning to move from its current location about two miles down Harrisburg to the former Cafe Louis space at The Plant, a development in the second ward. Moving down the street brings a number of advantages, uh, including a lot more parking and about triple the amount of space. Now, that space that, that it had been both Cafe Louis and Louis Italian American, it was expected to become Angie's Pizza, but instead, Chef Angelo Emiliani will serve his pizza in the space that is currently How to Survive on Land and Sea, which will soon be rebranded to Neighbors Pizza Bar. Now, Mary, that's a whole lot to sort of take in, but you are a street-to-kitchen superfan, so I'm glad that you're here this week because I, I know that you will have thoughts on this. So what do you what do you think about this move for Chef Benchuan Painter and her husband Graham taking Street to Kitchen from its current location in the gas station to the former Cafe Louis space?
1: Mm, I have lots of thoughts.
0: <laughs> I knew you would.
1: <laughs> I have several hats that I wear. Uh, a lot of people on the show know me as the owner of Avondale Food and Wine. So While I come from hospitality, I'm going to talk about it from my real estate attorney and brokerage perspective for a second. Um, I think they absolutely deserve all the success that they've gotten, and I'm so excited for them. So growth seems like a natural thing to happen to them at this point in time. Uh, And I love that they're staying within the same neighborhood that they're currently in it actually brings them a little bit closer to downtown so i think that's a good thing um but at the same time i get nervous for people that grow maybe not too fast but i just really hope that they took the time to review the lease that they're getting into and the terms not just on the flip uh, on the front side because They have so much press and so much media and so much popularity deserved right now that it's easy to jump into something that's presented to you. Uh, I think this space does have some pros. Uh, I think that the synergy within this building is a good thing. I also think there's some downsides to this space. It actually doesn't have more parking than where they're currently at uh, when you take into account the other tenants. So... Uh, and you know, it's the location is on a, on a side street. I know they were in a gas station. I think visibility isn't going to be as much of a problem for them with their name right now, but man, I really hope, I really hope that they took the time to think about it before they jumped into this, because there's not a developer in the city that wouldn't have thought to get them right now.
0: So those are my initial thoughts. Well, let me, let me just say, I mean, in terms of visibility, Right. It really they they couldn't have had less visibility than their current location, because essentially it's always been a bit of a destination. I mean, you you literally have to choose not to take an overpass over railroad tracks (laughs) on Harrisburg to get to it. So if if you just if you just follow Harrisburg as it's going uh, as you're going sort of west, uh, you'll never see it. And, you know, I will say, having been to both Cafe Louis and how to survive any number of times. I recognize that that parking lot isn't very big, but I have never ever had a problem getting close, like building adjacent street parking. So I think that's a win for them. But I, I mean, I agree with you. I think, I think they're riding high now with this James Beard Award. That's very well deserved and and so exciting. You know, I, I think it's it says something really great about Houston's culinary scene that the best the best restaurant in Texas you know, according to the Beard Foundation was a Thai restaurant owned by a fairly recent immigrant to this country. You know, she's been here less than 10 years in a gas station, you know, I love but, that story. <laughs> right. It's a great, it's a great story. Like as narrative go, it, it really doesn't get any better than that. But I do like, I, I like that they're showing some loyalty to this neighborhood that has supported them from the beginning. And, and, you know, when they opened three years ago, you know, you may remember that they had fried chicken on the menu because the space that they took over had been a fried chicken restaurant and they weren't sure that they would be able to connect with the neighborhood without it. And and obviously yeah. that's long gone. So I think Chef G has found an audience for her food, uh, not just, you know, not just obnoxious food writers, but, but normal diners who, who go there uh, for lunch and dinner. I think the, the acclaim from the, the, attention from the James Beard award has taken them up a level in terms of their celebrity. And so, you know, the time is right. Like strike while the iron is hot, move to the bigger space, but still show some loyalty to your neighborhood. So I think the space makes a lot of sense for them. And, and obviously for the developers of the plant, including our friend, Jeff Kaplan, like (laughs) I don't, outside of like Aaron Bluedorn or like Chris Shepard's comeback restaurant, like, I don't know that there's a better tenant in the whole city than street to kitchen for this space because cafe Louie always, as much as we liked it, never really developed the following that it needed to be financially viable. And so street to kitchen, like street to kitchen comes with a following. So they'll, they'll bring that and it will be a destination.
1: It comes and-
0: with a following for sure.
1: And I think as long as the landlord understands the value of of that tenant and negotiates accordingly, doesn't just help them out first year and then doesn't help them out. And then years after that, I mean, really a landlord like this should be a partner, right? So you can grow. So I'm so happy they're in the neighborhood and I hope they have very favorable terms.
0: Well, and and I will say like, you know, I have been many of the times that I have been to street to kitchen, I have seen Jeff Kaplan there. And so I know that, uh, other than you, Mary, he might be the, the biggest drink <laughs> to kitchen fan in Houston, so
1: he does uh, live in the neighborhood, so it's easy for him to be
0: yes, but but also he he has choices about where he spends his money and where he eats. So we don't we we're obviously are never going to see the actual lease or the terms or, or any of that stuff. but I, I I am confident that, you know if if his affection for that restaurant had anything to do with the decision, then hopefully it's it's favorable for everybody
1: well he also needed to fill a space that was on the brink of getting restaurant curse associated with it so you know win-win for everyone
0: (laughs) right win-win for everyone all right so having talked about this from the street to kitchen perspective what do you make of this decision to kind of flip the concept from how to survive obviously it opened as a wine bar more recently it's been doing kind of cocktails they've been searching for different Food options for it, but but they've been doing the pizza, Angelo's kind of New York style pizza. It's not not the wood fired Neapolitan stuff that he made when he first came back to town in 2020. But but the you know the kind of the the larger uh, kind of more American New York style pies have been have been at How to Survive for a couple of months now. What do you what do you think about that as kind of the next evolution for How to Survive soon to be Neighbor's Pizza Bar?
1: I think that the food for this space will be better than you ever could have imagined for a place that didn't really have a food component before. But I also think the beverages and the vibes are going to be devastatingly disappointing in comparison. I mean, you've got eight row Flint right next door if you want cocktails. And this bar no longer gives off wine bar vibes. So what is it? It's just kind of a neighborhood bar, which is totally fine but I don't think that's anything that's going to drive you to it. So they're going to heavily rely on his food and his pizza to be a draw. And is that enough? And can $30 pizzas be sustained on Harrisburg? Right. So those are, I
0: think I, you know, I've been, I've been a couple of times by myself and, and I like it more in the line of a couple of, you know, $6 slices and a beer you know, so my total tab is between fifteen and twenty bucks. I have not been with a group to split a whole pie yet, but I will say I, I popped in on a Sunday a couple of weeks ago. They had a DJ who was playing like some kind of chill R&B vibes. I thought that was nice, but it's it's very clearly a work in progress, and and it's going to be up to Angelo and his business partners to kind of refine this concept and and really you know i'm i'm not going to criticize the the staff cuz they're they're working hard but it's you know as someone who really really liked the previous staff at How to Survive this new kind of younger breed of bartenders i just i just don't relate as well to them and so
1: yeah if you want them to pop a beer for you right. you know that's fine but if you want a wine education or to know if they're freshly juicing their juices for their cocktail program or you know, what their inspiration for cocktails is. I think this is the wrong bar for that.
0: Yeah. It's it's, you know, if, if I want to craft at this point, if I want to craft cocktail in that neighborhood, I'm going to eight row, right? 100%. Which is right down the street. Or to or to either, you know, Nancy's or Tiny Champions or someplace like that. You know, uh, a little farther, slightly farther pizza, west, but still the in the pizza area.
1: and a beer component here is the winner, right? And the industry night that he's doing on Mondays where it's pizza and a and a I think a beer for Six bucks, that's a win.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a win. And I think they can find like a couple of inexpensive wines by the glass that will pair her with the pizza. I think that'll that'll kind of make sense. But will we be nominating it for a Tastemaker Award for Wine Program of the Year in the same way that we were doing <laughs> for How to Survive? Uh, not at this point, not without finding some super talented psalm or, you know, if they hire in, in in wild speculation that is not factual at all. If Thomas Marcella from 13 Celsius decides he wants to run their wine program and leaves 13 Celsius to run the wine at neighbor's pizza bar, maybe, right? Like then that, but it would take someone like that who loves wine and knows a lot about it to drive that program for it to be a serious wine bar again. Uh, But at this point, at this point, it, you know, it's called neighbor's pizza bar and that's what it is. A place where the neighborhood can go for a slice of pizza and a casual, you know, in a very casual atmosphere with a beer or a very simple glass of wine.
1: Someone like Thomas deserves his own wine program. And if you're going to grow, you have to be able to be in control of the whole thing. So if he wanted to do something like this or an equivalent to him, I would be about it. But short of that, I 100% agree with you. And is Angelo here for now? Or is this a stopgap until he opens something else? like that? That is of curiosity to me, but... Right. You know, I, right. I would also right now. I'm about it.
0: I would also love the answer to that question about what Angelo's plans for the future are. I've sent him a couple of messages. He has not, as of yet, replied to me. But hopefully, hopefully, I'll hear from Angelo. <laughs> I mean, we we have we we we've heard all the rumors you and I about that his future maybe may lie beyond the East End. But but until I get some confirmation from him or or someone very close to him, uh, I don't want to I don't want to go around I don't want to go around quote unquote reporting anything on this podcast.
1: Oh, come on. Let's be speculative. It's fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, goodness. All right.
1: Mm, that's what you have me here for. <laughs> it's
0: true. Keep it um, spicy. All right. Well, speaking, I don't, I don't think we're going to get quite as spicy on topic number two, but this is interesting news, I think. The Woodlands-based Fieldings Culinary Group is opening a new restaurant at the Novel River Oaks Luxury Apartments. This is at the it's basically across from Central Market at the intersection of Willowick and Westheimer. Fielding's, for those of you who don't regularly travel north, has two restaurants: Fielding's Wood Grill, which is basically fancy burgers, and Fielding's Local Kitchen and Bar, which is more along the lines of, you know, a wood-fired concept steaks, pizza, pasta, very kind of Mediterranean, with a with a pretty big wine program and a, and a just like a at least a couple hundred. Uh, spirits on the back bar, like a really a really extensive spirit and cocktail program. Mary, I know you get to the Woodlands every now and then. Have you been to either Fielding's Wood Grill or Fielding's Local Kitchen?
1: I've been to Fielding's Wood Grill. I do like this type of concept. I also love a first generation development deal where they're giving you so much TI money it doesn't matter if you succeed or fail. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real.
0: Um,
1: I worry about apartment buildings in the city, servicing people outside of their complex, because let's face it, Houston is a lazy city when it comes to parking and getting in and out of stuff. So I think, you know, will they be able to pull from outside of that is the biggest question. Right.
0: I I think that's a reasonable question. I think, you know, I don't know where exactly in the building the restaurant is going to be, you know, doesn't matter if it's, (laughs) if it's near a corner, if it's easy to park or valet, you know, I think that will all serve it well. Uh, You know, the, the counter example obviously is if you think about uh, the very first dish society on San Felipe and, and also local foods are in an apartment building. They have a, a big first floor parking garage. So it's a short walk. It's, it's pretty easy Local uh, foods and, is a unicorn. <laughs> well, and and maybe dish society is too. And this is obviously a more elevated concept. So, you know, I'm sure they'll have, I'm sure they'll have valet. I'm sure they'll make this as easy for people as possible. But I will say, I mean, I've, it. it's probably been, you know, it was probably pre pandemic, my last meal at, at Fielding's Local, but uh, I've always been impressed by it. Kerry Atar and Adel Gonclavis, uh, who are the, the co-founders of that came out of the Hubble and Hudson, you know, the gourmet grocery store and restaurant in the woodlands, uh, and went off on their own. They're super talented. They're they're very experienced.
1: Hubble and Hudson is so
0: good. Right. Well it it was and then then it evolved into truth. Right. But it it, was it made a real splash in the Woodlands back in the day. Um, It was
1: ahead of its time. So they're good operators.
0: Yeah. No. They're that's what I'm saying is, is these guys have accomplished quite a bit up in the Woodlands. I'm excited to have them inside the loop. I I mean, I, you know, I do think it's a little bit, it'll be, it'll be interesting kind of how they compete with the high end, like the state of graces of the world and, you know, to their West, everything that's going on in and around river Eats district, but they, they wouldn't be doing this if they weren't pretty confident that they can make a splash. And, and I, I had Carrie and, and Adele on the podcast many years ago and, and, I think uh, probably in the in the run-up to this opening, which isn't happening until next year, we'll have them back just to kind of check in. But uh, I'm excited for this. I'm, I'm, uh, I've am I'm i been a fan of theirs for a long time, and I think it's going to be a nice addition to the area.
1: I agree. I will check it out with you for sure.
0: All right. Topic number three, Omar Periné, chef and culinary consultant extraordinaire, has opened a retail outpost of Love Croissants. His croissant pop-up that he's been doing mostly at area farmer's markets and also at a few coffee shops like Refuge and Tenfold in the bakery space at Weights and Measures. Now, you may recall, we talked about this a, you know, a couple of months ago, that Weights and Measures has been sold, that the couple that owns Mistrantos in the Heights has taken it over, and they've been trying to revive it. And as part of that, they brought in Omar to, to bring Love Croissants to their bakery. Mary, this this article absolutely blew up last week on culture map and, and, you know, I've, I've been following, uh, the first week of love croissants. I've been selling out, you know, between like 11 AM and noon every day. So it's going pretty well, but, but have you had a love croissants croissant? And if so, what do you think about it? And what do you think about this decision to open at weights and measures?
1: All right. I think that the croissants are delicious. I would like to lead with that. I like a like a positive note before I dive deep. <laughs> I think that them taking over the weights and measures bakery spot is really good. I think it's a good use of that space. Uh, I think it's good for him and for expansion of his company. I have had his croissants uh, at both the farmer's market at Urban Harvest on the weekends, as well as Refuge's new coffee house uh, downstairs. So they feature a whole bunch of different uh, sweet and savory croissants. I also like that they have the mini croissants, which is nice if you just want like a little something to dip into your coffee. Uh, the pricing though, is what I have the biggest issue with. I You asked me to do a little homework and I did. Uh, I was talking about it in comparison to a uh, common bond, just because common bond is, you know, a staple of Montrose and, has a good and consistent product. Now their croissants, I believe, were, I don't know what I told you. I think I told you $5.50 for chocolate. Uh, And then you said, go look at Manuel and see what Manuel's pricing is. And so I did do that. Manuel's chocolate croissants are $3.75. So um, he's charging $8 for a chocolate croissant. It is very, very good. But that is I can't imagine that the ingredients are sixty four percent better than
0: manuals, yeah, I will say prices price is subjective right it's it's worth whatever someone is willing to pay and is and, and as you know, I think to a certain extent at the at the markets you were sort of paying for the convenience of being able to just buy it at the market, and it also emphasizes the extent to which the manual croissants are an incredible deal, right? Shout out to
1: they're so good. Shout out to shout multiples. out to
0: Otto Sanchez for for very very reasonable prices. Uh, the love croissants, croissants are slightly larger. It's not not that much larger, but a little larger. I will say, I think that is kind of that's something that Omar is going to have to figure out, right? If he gets a lot of pushback from consumers on price, if he's if he stops to the point where he's not selling out every day, then Obviously, he'll have to he'll have to come down a little bit and figure Maybe it out. Maybe
1: volume will help him here now that he has this type of facility to bake in. That's what I'm hoping. I just think it's the difference between somebody who buys a croissant as a treat versus buying four or six to take to their home or their office or share with other people. Right. So you want that volume. So hopefully that works itself out here.
0: Right. No, I I agree. Uh, I will say, Omar did me the courtesy of showing up at my house with a box of hot fresh croissants which is really which is really the whole the whole point of having the retail space is that you know if you go to the farmers market they're baked that morning but then they have to travel to the farmers market and then they're outside where they get subjected to the heat and humidity so they're not as crispy and fresh tasting as they would be and so now you can go to weights and measures and get them where they'll be freshly baked throughout the day so you could get you know, you could come at nine a.m. and get a croissant that was baked at seven a.m. or or at ten a.m. that was baked at nine a.m. or whatever it is. A hot croissant, it just it, what it does for the texture and the flavor is it's impossible to overstate. They they are they are so much like as much as I liked them at the farmers market, and I and I did, and I have paid for them many times. They are so much better when they are hot and fresh. It's like night and day. And so oh, I think, I think that, that experience, delights. right. I think, I think that experience will help justify some of the value, right. Cause that ability to get a hot croissant is, is going to be really valuable. But like I said, you know, prices, you know, prices, it's worth what someone is willing to pay for it. So if people aren't willing to pay for it, he'll have to adjust his prices. If people are willing to pay for it, then it's not too expensive.
1: 100%. I love free markets.
0: Me too. <laughs> um, you know, Mary, I'm actually going to say that does it for the News of the Week. We'll be right back with our Restaurant of the Week. Stick around. Mary, for our Restaurant of the Week, I want to talk to you about Pastore. Pastore is Underbelly Hospitality's new seafood-oriented Italian restaurant. It is in the Regent Square mixed-use development right next to Georgia James, their upscale Steakhouse. Now, I think we should say, like, this is the first underbelly hospitality opening since Chris Shepard left about a year ago, right? This this concept was sort of developed and refined after Chris left. And so it it's an interesting moment because, you know, they've been going through a lot of changes, right? They just we talked last week that they closed GJ Tavern, uh, their restaurant downtown. We know there's wild oats in the farmer's market. They're working on a a location of that in Spring Branch. They're working on an underbelly burger in Spring Branch. But this is kind of this is this is kind of the transition. This is underbelly hospitality 2.0, so to speak. So let me just ask you, what were your what were your first impressions when we we walked into the space at Pastore?
1: I thought it was really pretty. I was actually surprised by how light and bright it was. Uh, the color the colors used throughout the restaurant were, it felt very coastal. It felt very inviting. Lots of blues, silvers, tans. Like it wasn't dark. I, for whatever reason, and I know Chris is no longer a part of this concept, but I don't know how far the design of it had come in selections when it is that he left, because if it was still part of his restaurant hospitality group, I would say this was the most inviting dining room of any of the spaces I had been in of his but I understand that it is he has no association with that but really really pretty dining room
0: honestly open airy right light colors it you know they're they're pitching kind of a seafood focus and this is very coastal right like light blues white walls it's very serene and and I really appreciate that yeah it it really was and and not that it was like sleepy in the dining room it was it was busy it was energetic but but it was like all right like we're you know this is like a night you know it looks nice it it feels good it looks nice and then and then talk to me about the menu i mean what what kind of stood out for you as you kind of looked it over
1: i like this menu but this menu was a little confusing for me there were plentiful seafood items i will say that we started with a seafood potter that had some really nice things on it uh, we had oysters with uh, caviar on top. We had uh, clam, cold clams. We had some crab that was delicious. Uh, we also had some head-on shrimp that were really well done as well. I, I think there's a lot of seafood on this menu. I also think there's a lot of pasta and pizza on this menu, which I don't know, maybe this is going to be a theme of 2023. And I think of um, Elro with the crudo and pizza as a comparison, a different style of restaurant. But this seafood and, you know, pasta and or pizzas is funny to me a little bit. Um, I know it's common on when you're in the Mediterranean and so forth. But uh, I liked that both elements of the menu were good. Sometimes I think concepts like this excel at one part of the menu and kind of falter on the secondary part of the menu. The clam pizza we had was delicious.
0: Yeah, I I would say the clam pizza was the single best thing that we ate over the course of the evening. Good char on the crust, like plenty of clams on the pie. Flavors were really nicely balanced. I thought that that was a standout for me. I I agree with you that that kind of seafood platter with the the clams and the oysters and the crab and the and the shrimp and XO sauce was another highlight and then the porchetta right that that like really hearty uh the piece of pork with the amazing. crispy the crispy skin and the white beans that were like not not like all the way falling apart but like were you know soft and comforting and it was just everything about that dish was really good the one thing i will say about the menu is it feels like a bit of a work in progress to me you know you could say there's a lot of pastas on the menu but there's really only there's only 4 of them Right, and we ordered, we ordered three of them. One is uh, swordfish, a swordfish amatriciana, and and another one is like a seafood fra diablo with the squid ink linguine. So, of the four pastas, two of them are like noticeably spicy. Uh, mm-hmm. The third one was the ravioli and brodo that that had, you know, a decent pepper. It's not the pepper so spicy, but but it definitely a uh, kind of pepper forward. Vibe. It had
1: some white pepper going on that I yeah. thought was awesome.
0: Yeah, no, I, I thought it tasted great. But you know, if you're gonna be in an Italian restaurant, like I need I need more than four pastas on the menu, and I need more than three entrees, right? We we had the porchetta, we also <laughs> had the we also had the branzino puttanesca uh, and then there was a chicken milanese. And and you know, I thought the branzino was nice cooked and all that. Puttanesca sauce, too, too much olive, like. Every version of that sauce is like too, too briny for my personal taste. But I thought, you know, I thought it made sense in the, in the context of, of all the other things we were ordering, but like, you know, give me a beef entree for sure. Maybe a second chicken, or, you know, if you're going to be a seafood restaurant, you got to have more than one seafood entree on the menu. And, and I think they know that, you know, I, I think that, you know, they've been it's open Texas. For,
1: you have to have a steak. Sorry. Just said right. it.
0: Even though. Right. And and bisteca florentina is right there, right? Like it can be a a big fancy steak for the table, similar in size and portion of the porchetta. Even though Georgia James is next door, you can do it in an, in an Italian context in in a way that really stands out. But yeah, I I just I like as much as I liked everything we ate, I'm also not a hundred percent sure what what I would order again because the porchetta is kind of a specific craving, you know, and and.
1: Well, and I also think it helps that we were a party of four people. So you can do something like that seafood platter that we started off with. I don't think necessarily two people would take yeah, that it's down, too much, right? It's too much for
0: two people, I think.
1: I agree. Um, and at, like, same with the porchetta. Like, I think that was too, I think that was plenty of food for four people to try. I think it would be way too much for two people, in my opinion. I just think if it's, you know, a man and a woman on a date and... You know, that's it's a whole lot of food. There was still plenty for us to for people in our party to take home that evening. Uh, I I think the menu will grow with time. I mean, they've only been open, what, six weeks at this point? Something like that. Yeah. And, you know, it'll evolve and they'll take the feedback. I mean, I know one of the next points we're going to talk about is the people that work within this group. And they have some heavy hitter all stars on their team and. They're pros right so they know how to take feedback and incorporate changes
0: yeah yeah let me just say i mean you know whatever like i guess underbelly hospitality is getting is getting a reputation for uh, a really great place for people to work because sarah troxel who's a, a tastemaker award winner uh, bartender the year winner who was at Nobis for a long time and cultivar before that uh is running the bar program for both georgia james and uh, Pastore. So, you know, it was great to see her. Elena Van, who was at Quixote, is now at Pastore. Lindsay Heffron, who, if you're really old school, you'll remember from uh, Liberty Station days and was a liquor rep working around town and was involved with Cantina Barba and Fitzgeraldo, uh, was running the floor there. It's great, you know, great to see Lindsay. Uh, Zach Newman, a sommelier who had been at Blue Dorn, is now at Pastore. He really knows his stuff. And the chef Jeff Potts worked for underbelly for a while, uh then went over to ninety three till where he he did some really good stuff. uh now he's back with them at, at Pastore and so you know, I love seeing so many familiar faces in the dining room i just it just it makes me feel better about the restaurant to know that people whose work I respect chose to work there you know i I just think that's like you know and I if- also
1: think these are people who probably wouldn't have worked for this group before for whatever reason it is. So it's so nice to see all of these people come together where you wouldn't have expected them in this type of concept before, in my no, opinion. That,
0: right, no, I agree. I think it I think it speaks well about uh, Nina Quincy, who's the new president of Underbelly Hospitality. Scott Munns, their new culinary director who came here from DC. I just, yeah, I think it says a lot about their kind of upper leadership that that this is who wants to work for them.
1: These were incredibly shrewd hires, right? And you normally don't see this amount of talent in one room. You normally see like, you're lucky if you get one of these people, maybe two. So yeah, what job well done to the people in charge of hiring this staff and running this group.
0: Absolutely. All right. Anything else on Pastore?
1: No, I will be happy to try it again here in a couple of months and see what tweaks they've done for fall
0: yeah that's right that's the standard right so you will go back
1: i will go back i will you know we're basically almost in august right now i will probably wait till let's say late september because i want to kind of see some of those seasonal menu changes that i'm going to want from them by then
0: yeah i want to i want to kind of see how this menu evolves i will definitely i mean i would go back for the porchetta i would go back you know, I'd go back with a group for that Seafood Tower for sure. I'd go to the bar
1: for pizza and a couple of drinks with a oh, friend. 100%. You know, I'd like...
0: go, go back for clam pizza and that olive oil martini. I mean, that was fantastic.
1: The cocktails were great. I know we didn't touch upon that other than the staff, but cocktails, killer. Super great. So yeah, cocktails, pizza, sign me up. <laughs> right.
0: All right, Mary, I'm going to say that does it for the Restaurant of the Week. Thank you very much. You're welcome. That also does it for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening. Join me on Thursday when my guest will be Jin Braverman of Jin Design Group.